Happy Week 10 of the 2023 NFL season, everyone. This is Doug Farrar of Touchdown Wire and the USA Today Sports Media Group. And the guy over there is Greg Cosell of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. And Greg, Week 10 in bunches, we've got some extremely interesting matchups. And as always, some cool concepts to talk about. So let's get right into it. Uh, fascinating game here. Houston Texans at Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> yeah. I, I could spend 15 minutes going through everything C.J. Stroud, like re- every record he broke or tied uh, against the Buccaneers last Sunday. But let's just say it was really good. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, ra- like, you know, five touchdowns, no interceptions, all these yards. And OK, so we know that. Um we were talking yesterday on the phone and you brought up the concept of second reaction movement. And it, it, it kind of steered into a conversation about the different kinds of mobility. So before we get into two different quarterbacks, we discussed yesterday, uh, CJ Stroud and also Sam Howell, the commanders. I wanted to get your thoughts on what you meant by the differences in mobility. Cause I thought it was a, it was kind of a fascinating idea. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here, Doug, just so people understand that. Because, you know, mobility and what we're going to discuss momentarily, but you and I both know that now it's kind of thrown out there that you can't play quarterback in the NFL unless you have movement traits. And most people think of that, meaning you have to run out of the pocket and be able to to use your legs outside the pocket, you know, run for first downs, throw on the move, let's say outside the numbers. You know, it's sort of become accepted as gospel that you really can't play unless you're able to do that. Now, obviously, that trait is certainly a good one to have. We've seen the Patrick Mahomes do that exceptionally well. We've seen Josh Allen make special plays doing that. Obviously, we know Lamar Jackson can can break the morale of a defense when it's third and nine and he leaves the pocket and runs for 20 yards. We, we No one is saying that that's not a good trait to have. Um but now there's a larger question here. Not every quarterback is going to be able to do that. So what is the definition of mobility? And can can you be an effective NFL quarterback or even a high-level NFL quarterback if you can't do that? And I would say you can because I think one of the things that is overlooked is what I think coaches would call operational movement. You know, the ability to move in a smaller area – you know, I've always used used the the um, sort of the size of a boxing ring, but it's theoretically even smaller. But the ability to move to avoid pressure and find kind of a quiet place to deliver the football. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, there have been quarterbacks through the years that have mastered that art, who no one would say were mobile in a strict sense. I'm going back a number of years now to Dan Marino. Tom mm-hmm. Brady was a master at that. Tom Carson Brady was Palmer absolutely was like that. I'm sorry. Carson Palmer is peak was like that. Yeah, there are there are a lot of quarterbacks like that who most people would say were not mobile quarterbacks, but they had the ability to do that. Um, Joe Burrow is a master at that yeah. as well. Now he he have, happens to have very light feet and can also do other things, but he's not a he's. You wouldn't say Burrow and Josh Allen and and Patrick Mahomes. You wouldn't necessarily say them in the same breath. Um, So mobility can mean a number of things and be effective in a number of ways. Um, 
you know, I remember getting back to you mentioned C.J. Stroud and the game he had this past week, which was obviously phenomenal, and he's played really well this year. But a lot of people said that, oh, well, they weren't sure what he could do at the NFL level until they saw the Georgia game. Well, I watched probably seven or eight games of C.J. Stroud. And yeah. while, again, he's not Mahomes or Allen or Lamar Jackson, for that matter, few are Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, C.J. Stroud, if you watched enough tape, you saw that he does have – effective functional movement ability Um, and actually in the context of that offense they use him quite a bit on design boots now that's designed but you know again he's able to do that and throw the ball accurately off that kind of of planned movement so that's where our conversation got interesting because we got into first level and second level reaction movement right and Stroud, to me, and if if you didn't believe it until you saw the Georgia game, I maintain that you only watched the Georgia game. Because <laughs> like you Correct. said, and his numbers outside the pocket at his final year at Ohio State were actually really good. But I would say that Stroud is more of a first reaction pocket mover with those designed rollouts and the boot and all that. And it's Bobby Slowick, their OC, who comes from the Shanahan tree. So it's all that stuff you see. Explosive plays out of heavy personnel in the boot game and all that. Um, if you compare that to a Sam Howell of the Commanders, I would say that Sam Howell is very much a second reaction. It's like, okay, this thing happens, so no, I must do this. With Stroud, it's more the movement is part of the play. So it's a little, you know, I always compare it to music. Like, you know, if everything in your passing game is predicated on your quarterback having these extemporaneous improvisational moments, it's like all you're doing is playing the solo in the middle of the piece, you know. John Coltrane wrote India and there's, you know, he solos for 10 seconds in the middle, but he's got a theme and a theme and you still have to have the theme. Yeah. Now it's, Howell's an interesting guy because, you know, he does have movement ability to get out of the pocket and, and make plays with his legs. But I think one of the things that he's shown and see, I think this is critically important is he's shown the ability to stay in the pocket and move within the pocket and therefore make what the term I use is late in the down throws. He has done that very well for a first-year starting quarterback. He does not get flustered by bodies around him. Um, he does not break down. In fact, for a young quarterback, he does a really good job of moving his feet with his eyes. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks, they they see things. Maybe they're looking right, and then they realize, oh, I don't have a throw there, and they feel the pocket being squeezed, and their eyes might go then left to, to a, a secondary or third read, but they don't move their feet, and they end up throwing the ball with poor balance, not a firm base across their body. He has just seemingly a natural tendency to be able to move his feet yep. with his eyes. And he'll learn the balance, Doug, as he plays more between, okay, when do I truly have to get out of there or when do I have to throw it away versus, okay, you know, staying in there? Because obviously he's been sacked a lot. Although the last two weeks, he's been sacked a lot less. Last um, four weeks, and we'll get into that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, uh, you know, so, uh, but, you know, the thing is, is quarterbacks, quarterbacks that have always been able to move. And here's the balance. And I've had these conversations with coaches at the scouting combine, and they don't really have a great answer. They respond to the result of the play as opposed to the process. Of the well, there play. is no one answer to anything. In football. No, and there's no one answer, obviously. But, but quarterbacks that tend to move and have been able to do that since they're 10 years old because they're really good athletes, there are a number of plays in which they move prematurely when they don't have to, and therefore they disrupt the timing and structure of the play, and they will leave 
the term we use is they will leave throws on the field. Now, those quarterbacks could then run for 15 yards. And, you know, it's like that, that, that shot in basketball, the three point shot where the coach is like, no, 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 no. Yes. You know, so, so, you know, maybe, you know, you're happy about the fact that they're going to run for 15 yards and get a first down. I'd love to be in the meeting the next day because I'm not obviously where they talk about it. Do they say, Hey, you know, we designed, you know, such and such a route concept. It was there against that coverage. We'd really like you to deliver the football or do they simply say, Hey, you know, you have great legs, no problem. You know, if you see it and you want to run, just go. I don't know the answer to that question. And there probably isn't one answer, but you know, well, I think of like Chuck Nolan, Terry Bradshaw or Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre, where I imagine there were some words. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we know that with Holmgren because, you know, here at NFL Films, we had to wind him through the years. And, oh, and, yeah. you know, and and Mike was not one to uh, to hold back on the sideline, no matter who the quarterback is, was. As a Seattle resident, I can tell you that that is definitely the case. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, there's no one answer. Um you know, but I, I guess what I would say is the people that automatically say, well, you can't play quarterback in the NFL unless you can run around. You know, I, I think you have to go into a little more depth and detail yeah. with that kind of statement. You have to try to find a little more nuance and subtlety to that, because, you know, I think you can play quarterback in this league without being able to run around the way, you yeah. know, some quarterbacks do. And it's a meaningful part of their game and they're really good because of it. But that's specific to them. I would say that if you you can play quarterback in the NFL now with the advanced you know stunts and games and blitzes and cut me to the Ravens. We'll talk about that. It's, woo boy. Um, if you know the second reaction outside the pocket scrambled, okay. But if you can't move within the pocket credibly, I, I you know then it, then you, you can't be a statue. I don't want people to think I'm saying that you can play yeah. by just being a statue that that can't move at all. Um, yeah because that's probably not the case in today's NFL, because then there's the risk of too many plays that, that you're just throwing away, you know, because right. you can't do anything, but, but pocket movement is a very broad term or athleticism for a quarterback is a very sure. broad term that needs to be much further defined than just, Oh, well, if you can't run around, you can't play. Yep. Uh, so a little bit more on commander Seahawks and you do a lot of Eagle stuff. So you remember Howell's 26 year touchdown pass to Jameson Crowder, uh, where Crowder ran the over route as the inside slot receiver in trips, right? Howell uh, moved to his left as Josh Sweat and Milton Williams just collapsed everything inside. Crowder ran through the coverage, but that would have not mattered had Howell not adjusted to his launch point. I think he took four steps to his left, and it was just really calm. And he had the ISO hot to the backside, and he's like, no, I'm going to make the FU throw over uh, Bradbury and Blankenship. And it was like, okay, there's pocket movement and a bang throw across the field. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, the Patriots game, it was way more YOLO, much more YOLO. But you, I saw in that particular play a quarterback who's beginning to understand structure within pocket movement. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's a really good point because when you watch guys play, you can see the difference between quarterbacks whose movement is – and I think this is what you mean. Tell me if, if – you see it differently, whose movement is sort of calculated and controlled as opposed to quarterbacks who just leave and then try to figure it out. Calculated um, is the word. It's, it's a great word because it's it's part of the calculation. Your movement is part of the calculation. Correct. You're just not avoiding guys and then, you know, throwing it 10 yards. Right. Out. You're you're moving to he's looking at Crowder the whole time. Like, yeah, I got I got my guy on the over. All I need to do is because my offensive line is still what it is. I'm just going to move over here, very calm, understands it, boom. Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, 
I mean, are there going to be plays where the defense wins really early and you just have to move and, and, and then, you know, that's the way it goes. But those plays don't happen 15 times a game. Um, so movement need to me, and I think this is what the really good quarterbacks do, and, and you know me well enough to know I don't automatically say a quarterback's great. I don't, I don't talk like that, just like I would never say a quarterback's generational until he plays in the NFL for quite a while. Um, I hate that. But, but <laughs> you know, you can tell when a quarterback moves that when th- – whether the movement is sort of calculated. And I think that's one of Mahomes' phenomenal traits. Mahomes is so calculated, and he still knows how to maneuver, defend, and I'm sure this is innate in his DNA. He He has 12 eyes all the way around his head. He can maneuver. Yes. Yeah. He can can maneuver, control, and manipulate defenders on the move as well as any quarterback that's playing. His movement is very – calculated he it's not random he's not just leaving and seeing oh let's see what happens now you know and I think you can see that with quarterbacks you know some young quarterbacks when they get in the league particularly ones who are very good athletes they're they tend to move and it's okay now let me figure it out and it's really hard to do that at the NFL level Sam Howell was moving on that play to get in a position where he could make the the pre-described you know prescribed throw and that's calculated that's uh, I like that word yeah well, in weeks one through five for Pro Football Focus, Howell was pressured on 38.1% of his dropbacks. He took a league-high 29 sacks in five games. He threw two touchdowns and four interceptions under pressure and, to my knowledge, had no explosive plays in pressure. In weeks six through nine, four games, pressured on 36.2% of his dropbacks. He's been sacked just 14 times in, in those four games. One touchdown and two interceptions, but he's creating explosive passing plays under pressure and I don't want to say all of a sudden, because to me, I, the way I would put it, Greg, is that he is intelligently speeding up the clock and he's taking the freneticism out of the. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. He actually had a play this past week. It was Dotson 24 yards on second and seven in the second quarter. It's a great example of that. Um, it, it showed his patience and toughness in the pocket. He made a late in the down throw. He subtly moved to his left as he worked through his progression and he's he said what I, he did what I said in terms of moving his feet with his eyes. Um, and the pocket really got squeezed on him, but he made an unbelievable throw to, to Dotson for 24 yards. So, you know, like I said, he'll figure all that out. I mean, obviously there's still an inconsistency to his game as a first year starter, but you're seeing traits that you really feel good about. Well, and the opportunity cost, I mean, he leads the league over the last three weeks in attempts, completions, and passing yards. <laughs> so, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, Doug, over the last five weeks, he leads the NFL in passing yards and touchdown passes. Yeah. So Eric Bieniemy clearly trusts him with all the launch codes. Um, oh, oh, for the Seahawks and Seahawks commanders, uh, real quick. Uh, you said yesterday when we were talking about the uh, just overall stuff that that the the beatdown that the Ravens this thirty-seven to three beatdown was not on Geno. Could you kind of not? Yeah. But uh, I mean, they're 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 all line. It's funny how. It works in the league. The week prior, I thought Charles Cross had a really, really good game in in the one-on-one matchups he had with Miles Garrett. This week, Cross did not play great, and the O-line just got handled. Um, Now, the Ravens are a very difficult defense to play against because they're not really a one-on-one defense in a strict sense. You know, they don't line up and say, hey, my guy can win one-on-one versus your guy. Although I will say this. I thought Jadavian Clowney played as well in this game as I've seen him in years. And his body looks different. He looks leaner. He looks quicker. But um, 
But the point I'm, I'm making is as people often you, say that of me these days, Greg. Just so you know. <laughs> Do you look leaner and quicker? Uh, I feel leaner and quicker. So no, there you I go. Look, yeah. Um, but they they're really really good with their concepts. Yep. Um, Mike McDonald's done an unbelievable job. You know that all starts so people understand this. That all starts with film study because yes. you know you often hear people say, "Oh, well, they they broke down the protection." Well, when you hear that term, what that means is is they understand how a team is going to protect in a given situation. Is it a five man pass protection concept? Is it a six man pass protection concept? Who's the sixth man? Is it a tight end who's on the ball? Is it a back in the backfield? You know, you, you understand how teams protect with their players, obviously we know where the five offensive linemen are, but if it's a six man protection concept, who that sixth man is becomes critical in how you decide as a defense to attack and break down the protection. I think Mike McDonald does as good a job right now. And again, you know, he's a young coach, but he's doing a great job right now. He's doing as good a job as anyone in the league because they're, they lead the league in sacks and sure, Obviously, when you lead the league in sacks, some do come from guys winning one-on-one, but they are really good schematically with yep. what they do. The way they use secondary players, whether it's the slot corner, Arthur Millette, whether it's Kyle Hamilton, the safety, they're really good getting these guys involved in pressure concepts. And that comes about because you feel you can either get someone in clean or you're creating a matchup that you feel really, really good about. Um, you could not you know, have one-on-one matchup. Yeah, you could not have teamed me up better for this because I wanted to talk about Baltimore's first sack of Geno Smith with 401 left in the first quarter. And you said yesterday or last week that the Ravens are really good at getting free guys in, which is rare. One thing I noticed in watching their defensive tape this week is they're very good at they can be one or two down in the uh in the numbers game, rush versus protection, and they know how to beat it. This was a five-man rush against a seven-man protection. Ravens set up in an overload, looking very much like what the Niners do a lot, overload to the defensive right side. Roquan Smith, the Fred Warner role, is the stand-up three-tech. Uh, but he dropped to take away Jackson Smith and Jigba as the middle hole defender, which says a lot about Roquan Smith when you can take away, you know. But Patrick Queen replaced Smith as a rusher. He did so stunning to the overload side. Seahawks have a seven-man protection with tight end Noah Fant and running back Zach Charbonnet in the backfield. So it's five on seven in Seattle's favor, and the Ravens still won. Smith's drop had center Evan Brown and right guard Phil Haynes doubling nose tackle Michael Pierce. Queen's loop around occupied both Charbonnet and Fant. They both went to Queen, which is kind of weird. Uh, Adafi Owe and Kyle Van Noy and the edges took Cross and Jason Peters out. And that that is Justin uh, Matabuike. That was the one-on-one. He took Damian Lewis and, like, threw him out of the club. But that's an example of how you can use scheme to you're tuned down in the numbers battle and you dominate that rep. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. And, and that's what they're really good at. And teams like that, that's how they live is they live – by winning even though they don't have the numbers because it becomes the concept. And and as we've seen numerous times, they drop out their two defensive tackles, uh, Matabuke, who's a really yep. good player, and Michael Pierce, and they drop them out to rob underneath short in-breaking routes. So they're not matching up. Yeah, they're not matching up to players. So in other words, when you talk about Queen dropping out um, and, and taking away Smith Najigba, he's not playing him man-to-man. He's dropping into an area based on the fact that they know that there'll be a route in that area by the offense. So he's in position to take it away within the timing and structure 
of the concept, and then the pressure gets there. So don't forget, you know, when you when you're creating pressure, you're counting on the pressure to work. So you're not expecting, you know, a lot of times you watch tape and you see coverages and you go, oh, that looks like quarters, let's say. But if it's a pressure, it's not quarters. It looks like it, but right. the rules are different, yeah. you know, because don't forget they're expecting pressure to be a factor on the play. So therefore the rules in the coverage are different, even though it might look like a very typical coverage concept. Yep. Uh, a couple more real quick, because we're going more concepts than matchups, which is sort of an organic thing that happens. And I love it. Um, Browns at Ravens. Uh, Baltimore's blocking was insane against the Seahawks, th- almost 300 rushing yards. Uh, this is their the heart of their highly successful run game. Their passing concepts hat on a hat all day long. I know the Eagles have the best combination of uh, fronts on the offensive and, and defensive side. I'm starting to think the Ravens are, are they're, they're looking up at them, going, "Hey, we're here too." It's, it's kind well, of the, cool. yeah, the Ravens all line has played exceptionally well. Yep. And and you know that is it's funny we were we were talking about this in our matchup room is that has allowed Lamar and a lot of people saying oh he's not having a great year because you know he's only thrown you know, I think nine touchdowns whatever you know it's he's not putting up a numbers year but I think the sign of a quarterback that's really playing at a high level is playing to what each specific game demands every game is different you know. He doesn't have to throw. Look what they've done in two of the last three weeks against the Lions and the Seahawks. Those games did not demand that he drop back 40 times and throw for 350 yards. You play each game as the game requires. And I think he's done an exceptionally good job of that this year. You know, there have been games where he's had to throw and he's done it well. Those two games I just mentioned, he hasn't had to throw a lot. So you know what? It doesn't matter that he throws for 180 yards. It's not really relevant. So you can't just look at a number and say, oh, well, he's not up there among the league leaders in touchdowns. You know, we'll, he's playing to me, and I think I've watched every offensive game because, you know, I'm very curious with Todd Monken being there and how they're doing it. And by the way, they're still using the, the Ricard, you know, um, I don't want to say exactly the same way, but he's still a, a featured player in their offense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's playing to what each specific game demands. And in some ways, again, I'm not a quarterback, but I would say that in some ways that could be more difficult because what do quarterbacks want to do? They want to drop back and throw it. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't praise a team for being able to win all these different ways. Right, right. Not doing this thing as much as he did last year. That, that as you, uh, I mean, the Eagles have a bye this week, so we're not going to get into a big discussion about right. them. But you know, but Hurts this week only threw twenty three balls. I mean, so we're, you know, and he, and I think he only threw for about two hundred yards. But you know, I would argue, I would argue he played a really, really good game. Yeah, no, he sucks because he didn't, you know, hit the. Yeah, he didn't hit the number to ride the ride. Uh, so here is a team that has been winning one way and losing another. The San Francisco 49ers. They have lost three in a row. Browns, Vikings, Bengals. They've scored 17 points in each of those losses. In the first five games, all wins, they scored 33 points per game. 33.4. Uh, rushing in their 5-0 and opening, 170. Uh, I'll cut down the stats. 4.5 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. Hit at the line 38% of the time. 34 missed tackles, 8 carries of 15 or more yards. Rushing in their most recent 0-3 stretch, 4.1 yards per carry, 95.3 rushing yards per game, hit at the line 41.4%, uh, six missed tackles, fortunately one carry of 15-plus yards. Now, it, having uh, Williams, uh, Trent Williams and Debo Samuel were both hurt. They were injured in the Browns game, and they were out the last two. And that plays a factor, but is there anything else you've seen in that run game well, that think- is a problem? I think the dynamic of how they play has changed 
for the reasons you mentioned. Um, they're a team that counts on being able to be balanced in their offense, have the run game present opportunities in the pass game, um, have their defense keep games together. Their defense has not played anywhere near as well either. So now the whole dynamic feel of games has changed for them because I would argue that Brock Purdy is still playing very, very well. Now, obviously, people are going to point to a fourth quarter interception or a couple and say, oh, boy, he stinks. But he's actually, if you look at the totality of his work, he's actually playing well. But the dynamic of how they're built, how they want to play, and how they have to play to play well has changed because the run game has is not been a big factor and their defense you know they're not used to to being in the fourth quarter of games where the opponent has 24 or 27 points no. you know so everything changes and you know it's just a whole different feel to the to the flow of a game you know every team you know this isn't talked about a lot but every team wants to control the pace and tempo of a game mm-hmm. you know that's that's sort of built into how you want to play. You want to be able to control the way the game is played. Um, and, you know, every coach has a different view of that, but clearly the 49ers are a team that that wants to build up over time, control the game, so they get into middle third quarter, and all of a sudden they're winning 24-13, and they've mm-hmm. controlled the game, and right. it just seems like, you know, nothing seems to be spectacular, but all of a sudden you go, wow, they're a really good team. Right. That hasn't happened in the last – number of games so everything becomes different in the fourth quarter of games when that's the case well here's another and this is again browns vikings Bengals, where they've gone zero and three and this may be the nature of the opponent because these are all stacked box teams stacked box defenses anyway uh in the five and oh stretch where they won uh 46 of their attempts uh against stack boxes rushing attempts fourth most in the nfl those last three games 57% 57% of the rushing attempts came against stack boxes, first in the NFL. Jaguars aren't quite like that, but you know, I don't know whether it's just these are the way these defenses play or they've identified something with the Niners where, oh, okay, here we can stack it because they do this, but that's the thing. Yeah, without question. So, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see because you know how it is when teams have a bye week. The first part of a bye week, even though the players might not be in the building, the coaches self-scout. And yeah. then, of course, the second part is they game plan for the team they're playing. So, you know, until we see the 49ers come out and play, you know, we don't know exactly. And by the way, you're not going to see a huge adjustment. You don't have that kind of time. There'll be tweaks that probably you and I can't see. We'd have to be in the meetings to understand that, you know. Um, but the point is, is they'll they'll make some adjustments uh, that in their mind will be very helpful. But, you know, they're built to play a certain way. You know, and it gets to a larger point. And I think the Niners are still a good team. This is my point is not the Niners aren't a good team, but but I think when you look at a team like the Eagles, for instance, um, in an ideal world, and not every team can do this, but in an ideal world, you want to be able to play multiple ways and win multiple ways, depending yep. on how a given game plays out. Yep. Um, because when you start playing the better teams, or you get into the playoffs, which every team wants to get to, you know, sometimes you can't just play one way the way you'd ideally like to play. You have to play a little bit differently, and you'd like to be able to to be able to win or play well multiple ways on on either side of the ball. So, you know, we'll see as the Niners come back and play. They're in on the road in Jacksonville. That's not an easy game. No. Well, Christian McCaffrey's yards per carry in that three game. Uh, They've gone down significantly. 5.2 to 3.4. Now, the Jaguars are relying 3.4 yards per carry all season, which is the fourth best in the NFL behind the Bears, Texans, and Patriots. 
So, we'll and they're a five-two base front, and we yeah. know the Niners play a ton of twenty-one. So, so we'll see how that maps out. You know, we'll they see like, if the yeah. Niners change up. We'll see if the Niners spread the formation more, even in twenty-one, which they're more than capable of doing. You know, again, these are little things that you know until we see the game, we don't know. But you know, they might not feel they want to bunch everything together and run against that that tight five-two front. Right. Uh, yeah, pass defense, their first, in their five wins, Niners allowed a completion percentage of 65.2 and an opponent pass rating of 71.4. Last three games, a league-high 73 completion percentage and an opponent pass rating of 98.7. Not great, Bob. So, yeah, they got, they got some stuff to clean up. Uh, final game we're going to discuss, Denver Broncos at Buffalo Bills. We have not, I imagine, talked a lot about Denver's offense, but I will say Denver's passing game is starting to come around. Explosive plays in contested catch situations with play action, very much what Russell Wilson is comfortable with. Wilson leads the league and throws outside the pocket this season with 25 completions and 60 attempts on 72 dropbacks, um, and that's what he's always been. I, you know, I know this, you know this. The low passer rating of 77.2 probably has something to do with the fact that he's taken a league-high 12 sacks outside the pocket. But Sean Payton seems to have Wilson doing things he does best for better or worse. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think when Russell Wilson's your quarterback, there's a couple of things you live with, and they, they lived with in Seattle. He obviously had a great run game and a dominant defense, and that makes things, you know, a lot a lot better overall. But you live with the fact that, He's going to leave throws on the field because there's certain things he can't see or there's certain things he's not comfortable with. So you have to live with that. Um, but the one thing when he's playing well, and, and this cannot be overlooked, is when he's playing well, he does not turn the ball over. And right. that is a really, really important thing. You know, it, it, it doesn't show up in a stat. Um, you know, you, you know, people look at a quarterback stat. And they go, oh, look at his, you know, completion percentage. Look at his touchdowns. Look at this. Look at that. But he doesn't turn the ball over. And, yeah, he might take some negative plays. He gets sacked too much, some of which are on him, as we know, going back to his Seattle days. But you know what? Some, Of course, in Seattle, it was okay because if he gets sacked on third down and they punt, you know, normally they got the ball back pretty quick because he was playing with a great defense. Um, but – you know, that's the thing about Wilson is he can make plays outside of structure and he doesn't turn it over. Yep. Uh, moving to the Bills offense, I know you have some thoughts on this. I have two. Uh, they're running what, a lot of what are yours? Uh, a lot of two-man route concepts that allow defenses to man up on both, rece- both receivers. I don't see levels. I don't see, like, crossers to, to mix it up. Um, also, we talked about this last week when they played a bunch of speed, no huddle. And Josh Which Allen – did not do this week. Well, they, it's interesting when they did and they didn't. Josh Allen told Kevin Clark of the Ringer this week that that no huddle slows the game down for him. If I'm his OC, I am putting that in 48-point font and going with it. They I had, agree. Um, they ran no huddle on five of his dropbacks in the first half of the Bengals game, and Dorsey pointed to like game script and situation. When the second half started, they were up. They were down 21 to seven. They started to use it more 14 dropbacks, and Allen completed 9 of 13 passes for 77 yards and a touchdown out of no huddle. After the game, Sean McDermott said, when asked why it took so long to push the tempo, said, I don't have a good answer for you right now. I've got to look into that, but I know what you mean. I saw that at the end as well. Hmm. Yeah, but that became a reaction to the game as opposed to right. a proactive way to play the game. Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, I, the, I, I would say, I would they say didn't this. do it in the first half. They did it in the second half. And then it was like, what? What are we doing? So I, I would say this. And again, I, you know, we're not in the building. But no. I would say that the Bills offense 
in some ways is exactly the way it's always been, except for one thing, which always bailed them out. They made explosive pass plays. They're not making explosive pass plays. Okay. This is, this is not a, contrary to what people believe, this is not a highly talented offensive group. Um, They've got Allen, who's a high level talent. They've got Diggs, who's a great receiver, but not a vertical dimension. Okay. They're trying to work in Kaden, who could end up being very, very good, but he's still a rookie and they're figuring it out. They don't really have a second wide receiver, um, contrary to what people might think. They've got an average to below average offensive line. And no matter how much they try, they do not have a run game. So they're not a very talented offense. And right now their defense is just demolished by injuries. Correct. So their defense, while it's solid, certainly it's not low end, but it's not not dominant by any means. So this is – they're really the same as they've always been. It's just they used to make big plays in the passing game. You know, it's pretty remarkable that their record over the last three, four years is what it's been because they have been so Josh Allen centric. And I know he's become an easy target now and people would be wrong. I mean, is he playing the best football of his career? No, I'm not saying that. But essentially, this team is built on the ability of Josh Allen to be special. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do that. And if the big plays are not there, they've got a little bit of an issue because they, they can't really move. You know, now they've developed into a very condensed passing game that yes. doesn't really attack defenses at the intermediate and vertical levels with route concepts and combinations. So now they need to go 10, 11, 12 plays to score. It's hard to do that without a run game. Yeah. Well, and what you said about scheming it open and that, that whole thing, <clears throat> I think when I, I went back and watched his interceptions uh, this morning in, in preparation for this, and I'm like, they, they're, Defenses are kind of smelling what you're cooking here, guys. You got you to gotta do some different Well, the interception he threw this week was not a bad read. It was a bad throw. Yeah. But in any case, um, well, Greg, you are the same. You are, as always, completely awesome. Uh, great games this, this uh, week in Week 10, and we'll be talking more X's and O's with you next Wednesday. All right, Doug. Thanks, my man.